This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in African Studies, a podcast channel of the New Books Network. I am Esperanza Brizuela Garcia, and today I will be talking to Dr. Rebecca Lee about her book, Health, Healing, and Illness in African History, published by Bloomsbury Academic in 2021. Dr. Lee is an associate professor at the African Studies Center in Oxford University. Dr. Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Esperanza, for inviting me here. I'm really excited to speak with you today. Thank you. I wonder if we could begin uh, our interview by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Thanks. Um, Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in New York City. Um, I am a child of uh, South Korean immigrants. and yeah, kind of grew up with a very healthy uh, appreciation of history, particularly through my dad um, and through my father, who kind of considered himself an amateur historian of sorts. Uh, I had two amazing um, history teachers in high school, uh, uh, one who taught African-American history and then the other who taught European history, Who, and they both... Uh, kind of inspired a very lifelong uh, love of um, history uh, in me uh, from a very young age. Um, I went to high school in New York City uh, and I uh, ended up at Harvard University as an undergraduate. My major at the time was uh, history and literature and I sort of delved into uh, particularly African-American cultural history I was really interested in um, uh, my, yeah, my senior dissertation ended up being uh, an analysis of uh, slave society in the North. Um, And I did a kind of cultural history of a a particular form of uh, parade um, that happened, a parade performance, I suppose, that happened amongst um, former slave societies. uh, in the north, in the 19th century, 18th and 19th centuries, and yeah, uh, so that's kind of my undergraduate 
upbringing. Um, I ended up um, somewhat by chance as uh, um, in South Africa. I had uh, a, um, a bit of funding uh, from Harvard uh, to go to South Africa in 1995 um, as a kind of traveling uh, on a traveling scholarship of sorts. Um, in the end, what it what it was was a sort of chance to find myself in a in a new country. Um, and yeah, that time in South Africa was really formative for me. Uh, it was 1995, so obviously a year after. Nelson Mandela became president, apartheid had ended, and South Africa had become a democratic uh, nation state. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a real uh, formative moment for me, uh, a real um, heady introduction to South African society, um, its people and its history. And I just got very much caught up with it. So, um, or caught up in it, I suppose. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how I um, found myself anew as a historian in a way, uh, because um, at the time, obviously, South Africa uh, in the mid-1990s was very much invested in its own kind of project of history or uh, rewriting history of sorts. And so how to, how to think through as a, you know, fledgling nation state, how to come to grips with its recent, um, you know, troubled, painful past, um, but also how to, um, you know, reassess and um, integrate uh, new uh, kind of a, its own understanding, its own autonomous understanding of its own past. And so, yeah, I just kind of uh, moved away from um, my interest in African-American history um, and kind of grasped, uh, I suppose, the um, uh, the moment. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I got started in South African history, South African culture, South African society. Uh, it's a relationship for me that hasn't um, yeah, dimmed ever, ever since uh, those uh, very seminal moments. And um, yeah, so I guess that's how I would chart my coming to um, South African history um, and African history, uh, um, uh, yeah, as a as a um, scholar. Oh wow! Uh, I, I was not expecting that actually. <laughs> that, is, that is very interesting. Um, and so, how how do you uh, how do you become interested in in the issue of health? And so, and how did this book came to be? The health, yeah. healing, and illness. Yes. So obviously, I'm I'm sort of a um, I was at a conference recently, and I did characterize myself as an interloper of sorts into <laughs> the, uh, into um, this field. You know, the history of medicine, medical history of Africa. Obviously, there are many you know. You know many great um, scholars and uh, trained historians of medicine, I would say, who um, I, I am not going to pretend to be. I am a social and cultural historian of modern South Africa. Um, my interests um, intersect with health in really, really, I guess, quite close ways, at least in, from my perspective. I'm interested in gender, migration, urbanization, religion, um, history of the family, um, uh, I am also uh, at, at the moment 
kind of working on a very long-standing project on death, um, death and memory uh, in modern South Africa. And so through that, um, you know, sort of obviously I've been interested in questions such as sort of HIV AIDS and AIDS mortality um, and thinking through kind of the uh, sort of illness narratives of um, HIV AIDS patients as well as AIDS advocates. I've been interested in the medicalization of death um, uh, in African communities. Uh, one of the chapters in this uh, sort of book that I'm working on on death um, also concerns the forensic pathology services and the sort of transformations in forensic pathology as a science as well also as well as a um, kind of changing perceptions of unnatural death. Um, so those things are sort of, um, you know, kind of my research entryway into sort of, uh, you know, concerns around health um, and illness in the African context. Um, but really the, I guess the, the major sort of drive, um, the primary drive for this particular book, Health, Healing and Illness in African History, um, came from uh, my teaching, in fact. So this, um, so I taught an undergraduate module uh, at my previous institution, at Goldsmiths, uh, University of London. Um, in the history department, I taught this module called Health, Healing and Illness in Africa, and, and, it, and it sort of was a longstanding um, um, module that ran for nearly 15 years now. Um, and uh, um, some of the, well, I would say the majority of the sort of the organization of the book um, and um, the time frame. Uh, yeah, the, the, the sort of rationale of the book um, and its scope uh, probably came from uh, primarily from my experiences in, in developing the material and also in the really interesting discussions and questions um, and probings, I guess, of, of the students that I taught um, over those many years. Um, I have to... Um say, I found that particular, uh, you know, uh, sort of genesis or history of the, the genesis of the book. So interesting. When, when I was first um, starting to teach, um, you know, African history in general, I always felt that, uh, that it was exactly from, from the teaching that so many questions uh, came back to me to, to inform my own research. And, uh, and the amount of research that one has to do to, to teach any class uh, seems to sort of merit being eventually put, uh, rethought or, 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 or reworked into a book format or into some kind of research output. Um, so I, I, um, I found that, and what was interesting in a, in a way is that um, the book, even though it comes from a teaching setting, and obviously it's an incredibly useful teaching tool, it, it does uh, come out as a, as a really, really uh, thorough reflection on, on what these concepts mean and what the concept of health means or what the concept of healing and illness mean. And I, I wonder if you could 
tell us a little bit uh, before we sort of dive in, or I guess this this kind of introduces a little bit uh, uh, what what are the major questions that you're trying to answer, uh, how those questions came to you and how were they changed through the process of first teaching these modules and then um, actually writing them for in a book? Yeah, th thank you so much. Um, maybe, so if, maybe I want to say something first about uh, the students because I, I was really struck by what you said and I really think sometimes the, the kind of generative, like the creative um, sort of aspect of, uh, of our scholarship and the influence of, our, of, of these really interesting and intense debates, you know, in the classroom are, is sometimes often, well, is often overlooked. And I, I feel that, for example, my students um, at Goldsmiths who, who were really, I think, quite formative in, in the shaping of this book, we're, we're very much interested in sources. So one of the things I was quite insistent about with this book itself was the, the focus on primary source analysis um, and kind of trying to not just sort of capture the sources themselves, but to kind of unlock the complexities of the, the, the sort of interpretive, poten interpretive potential of these sources. And it's very much part of what we were trying to do, you know, every week in class. And so I feel like um, there was a sort of insistent um, demand uh, from students on the recovery of African voices, for example. So that really forced me to push push the boundaries as well uh, um, uh, of my own thinking about what constitutes a historical source. And so, and what are potential alternative, um, what, how can we cast a wider net? Um, what kind of alternative historical sources are there that have um, you know, not been fully mined? Um, what are the potential historical sources for future histories of um, health and healing in the African context? And um, yeah, so I, I would really actually like to commend my Goldsmith students for their um, fearlessness, I suppose, in questioning what a proper historical source could be. Um, and also their interest in interdisciplinarity, which I think is also a very important part of um, the, I guess, the backbone, the, 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 yeah, the intellectual backbone of this particular book is, um, uh, for, I think for the students themselves as well, um, these so, sort of disciplinary boundaries are, were, were, were for them quite, quite, more easily, you know, transgressed or traversed than maybe for scholars, you know, who are often trained within particular disciplinary, um, you know, lines. So I think uh, they were far, far more fearless in some ways than I um, about kind of picking and choosing and borrowing and um, moving across um, uh, the scholarship from um, these different disciplinary domains. So whether it's um, history of medicine or public health or social history or um, medical anthropology, um, et cetera, uh, development studies, you know. So um, I, th I think that was very much uh, also something that I um, developed over time. I mean, it, it is a part of my own um, research practice as well. 
Um, I'm very much interested in the dialogue or the continuing kind of sort of interrogation or uh, dialogue of history with other disciplinary domains. And I, I think it's that tension um, as well as the synergies in, in interdisciplinarity that, that really intrigue me. I think it's those sort of, in, it's in the boundaries, in the, in, the, in the margins, I think, is where the real interesting um, thinking and ideas happen. So for me, um, so it's, it's part of what I do as a, as a historian, I suppose, but it's also something that became more um, uh, yeah, evident to me through the process of teaching this module. Um, yeah, so that I wanted to start with that. Um, and then um, in terms of, so was your second, your, your, your main question about just thinking about how the book came to being, is that? Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the things that becomes uh, very clear, it's precisely what you just mentioned, you know, your, your uh, you know, in, in a typical introduction, uh, you know, I mean, if I'm going to start referring directly to the book now, in a typical introduction, you have a kind of like a historiography section. And, and in your case, you, you do that, but you immediately realize that in that sort of like literature review kind of section, you are pretty much uh, struggling with that. You know, there's not a single body of work that we can use to answer these questions. You know, there's like a, a diversity of bodies that come from very different disciplines and you're, you're yeah. definitely trying to sort of sort of give this synthesis to the reader about what is it that we get from each of these different uh, uh, bodies of literature and how can you use them uh, productively. Um, so I, I guess in trying to do that, in trying to put together that section of the book, I guess what I was trying to ask you is, uh, what were the questions that you were that, that were guiding you, uh, you know, it's like uh, there are questions of definition of what does it mean? What do we mean by health? What do we mean by illness, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and, you know, so how were you guiding yourself in trying to sort of bring together all these different uh, pieces of, of literature? Yep. Thanks very much. Yes. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, I suppose part of it is, is uh, sort of a, personal, um, what are the lessons I've learned from delving into the literature? Or what are the moments of inspiration that I've had? So some of, um, some of the core questions are that I uh, wrestle with in the book are part of my own, um, my own sort of grapplings, I suppose, mm -hmm. um, with what is this field? Is it a field? Are there the bound, what are the boundaries of the field? And what are the terms at play, like you mentioned the definitions, and I, I do struggle with them um, because they're all contested and, mm -hmm. and they're contested within disciplinary domains, but they're also contested, um, you know, vis-a-vis -vis against, um, you know, these are sort of um, really difficult, uh, big, um, big questions that have their own, I suppose, genealogies as intellectual genealogies as well, both in African communities as well as in scholarly ones. Um, so I guess um, part of so so I'm, I'm glad you say it's kind of clear. I, I'm glad you say that there's a sort of it's evident that there's a a bit of um, wrestling in the in the book because I feel like it's a a bit of an unfinished question and that's a good thing. So these are all pregnant 
um, terms. So what, so what is health? You know, so I guess some of the guiding questions, um, if I go back to um, what, what you were asking, um, it, it, it's, it, it, they're very fundamental. So what is health and from whose perspective? Um, one of the, I, I, when people ask me um, what was my experience of writing this book, I, I like to talk about um, the tale of three struggles. So I had three particular struggles with the publisher of, of this book, and I hope they forgive me for, for saying this. But I, I but I, I mention this only only because I think it's um, it shows something about uh, you know the the sort of thought processes I had, and, and goes to some of the deeper questions you've asked just now. So. Um, one of the steers I had, um, and obviously with every book proposal, you know, it goes to different readers and you get some feedback and the, the editors themselves have some, you know, kind of opinions, etc. So one of the issues I had um, was with the title of the book, um, which is, you know, obviously also a question about the scope of the book. So is this a book about the history of medicine and disease in Africa? Um, and so, you know, my, or, or how about, um, so that was one question, you know, how about a history of medicine and disease in Africa, or um, how about just health and illness in African history? Like, why don't we shorten the title and forget the healing bit? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, um, so to both of those iterations of a potential title of the book, I, I really was quite insistent and said, no. Um, because for me, it's it's extremely important not to make make or for me it was would have been a reduction to make this book a history of um, medicine and disease in the African historical context. Um, because the thing that would be missing for me in that kind of in that kind of iteration would have been um, the experiences of African patient communities, um, the histories of healers. And their healing approaches, um, uh, and and also the kind of wider history of the the representation and the understanding and the imagining of what health could be. Um, so I, I feel that those things are would have been lost um, if this was a sort of medical, strictly medical history. Um, and and also the um, yeah. So I, I just think that the the kind of um, emphasis on um, uh, African patients, African publics, healing, um, and I mean, he healing is more than just, uh, you know, sort of um, healing technologies. It's also about healing institutions, which have their own genealogy um, and complexity in the African context. Um, they're about particular healers as well, people, um, but um, but also about approaches. So for me, that whole kind of complex would have been missing if this was a book called Health and Illness in African History, you know, or mm -hmm. History of Medicine and Disease in Africa or something like that. So that was that was the first thing. The, the second thing that I had a struggle with was about the chronology, with the publishers, with, was about the chronology covered by the book. Um, so uh, um, why don't I begin with the colonial period? Why don't why doesn't this book begin with the birth of tropical medicine, you know, in the late 19th century or the advances in germ theory? Um, you know, so why don't I have a book that's just about the colonial and the post-colonial um, context? Um, and, and for me, uh, yeah, 
I thought that um, maybe destabilizing the destabilizing chronologies was a really important project. And, and this is not something that I alone <laughs> have done. I mean, there have been other um, other scholars in, in, in you know, these overlapping fields who have done this in, you know, in many extraordinary ways, and particularly in, you know, in recent years, you know, who do not want to define their studies or their questions by particular, you know, chronological periods or particular, you know, bounded um, temporal uh, timeframe. So it was really important to me to expand it, um, to think about the long durée, to include, you know, what's called the pre-colonial past, though. I mean, you know, that uh, obviously what that pre-colonial past um, is, is, is ripe for uh, debate. Um, so just to think about the long durée, um, and I think Part of what happened by um, destabilizing these chronologies or exploding these chronologies, it is it, it in fact partly um, uh, it partly accomplishes this work of um, recovery in a way because when you do um, um, kind of deprivilege, say um, the colonial period or you know, tropical medicine, uh, you know, or the history of Western biomedicine in the African context. <laughs> so when you kind of try to step away from that and you insert that in a much longer time frame, um, then the kind of questions about, um, you know, this, this work of recovery of African voices, African patient communities, healing approaches, um, African ecologies as well, um, those things come to the fore much more um, visibly, I think, or, or at least they, they they kind of intrude into the story in a much more concrete way. And so, so that was really important. Um, yeah, and then just the third struggle, um, you know, in terms of the uh, uh, with the publishers is a um, um, about the those primary sources that I have um, kind of you know dotted throughout the book. So. Um, you know, basically the book, each, each chapter has a selection of primary sources that are excerpted, you know, um, um, you know, di directly. And then there's a bit of a primary source analysis and it's all in this, you know, each one has, a, it's all encased in a little gray box or whatever. And I had some struggles with the gray boxes <laughs> um, because um, what, why is it important? Is it too, is it too pedagogical? Is it too, you know, it, you know, but, but for me, I think that um, they really, they really emphasize um, some of the problems inherent in this work of recovery. Um, that um, they are limited, these sources, but yet they're also full of potential and kind of ripe with meaning and full of like, yeah, interpretive potential. And so, um, I, it was really important to me to um, display to the reader, whoever this readership will be, that, that there are many and distinct um, and um, very, you know, yeah, meaningful um, types of uh, historical primary sources um, out there. Um, and that th there are many ways to read, read with, you know, against the grain, with the grain, you know, read these sources, um, uh, uh, in ways that offer, uh, yeah, a whole host of um, 
uh, yeah, new new ways of thinking about um, this field. So yeah, so th those are the things um, I, I I really thought um, kind of show how I've tried to frame um, this book. No, and I, and I think you you one of the things that was so um, refreshing about. Uh, sort of reading the book, of course, and, and sort of like reflecting on, on, on the structure and, and, and on these questions that you're mentioning uh, is precisely how by doing so, you very much sort of like also pushed on that boundary between sort of like the textbook and the sort of like academic survey or something, if we would call it that way. Uh, because it's a deeply reflective book, like it's ripe with questions. It's not, it's precisely not trying to give you um, like a definite, definitive story, like a, a textbook, a, a typical textbook would try to. Uh, on the contrary, is trying to pretty much encourage uh, interpretation, encourage reflection, encourage questioning. Um, but includes, you know, sources, you know, and, and which is not something that we typically would find in a um, in, in an academic survey. Um, so I, I found that incredibly ref uh, incredibly refreshing uh, and useful uh, because, like you said, it, it's not it's trying to sort of highlight precisely how the the boundaries that we typically have between those two sort of formats. Um, um, don't tend to necessarily serve either public, you know, students don't yeah. necessarily benefit from a very sort of straightforward uh, one line story uh, dotted with a few sources here and there. And, and I think in general, even more uh, professional or academic readers uh, don't benefit either from not seeing those sources and not, not thinking about how those sources are actually uh, feeding into uh, a set of questions or, or a set of problems. Um, so I, I really appreciated that that particular uh, exercise that, that you so clearly fought so hard for. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, th thanks so much for, for saying that as well. I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I don't, yeah, I, I agree that I don't, I don't feel like this for me. I, I don't think I intended it to, to be a I guess a textbook, um, but I, I don't, I'm not quite sure. Um, I know exactly what it is at the end of the day, um, except I guess the product of my questioning and that of my students. So that's kind of all I can say it is. And I'm glad that you, I'm glad that that kind of came through um, because I I, I I do feel that it is more than more than the textbook, but what it is, I'm not quite sure, but that's okay. I mean, that's fine for me because really I want it to be, I guess what I most want it to be is just a useful, uh, it's like a, um, a resource, um, an interesting stepping stone. So I, I have never, so, so for me, this is not the final, so every chapter for me, I would like it to be the, the like a stepping stone for, um, whoever is interested in that topic or that time period or or those sets of questions, just as a kind of let's muddy the waters a little bit, let's see, um, and then for them, whoever that that reader is, to kind of go on and 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 explore these questions more deeply themselves. Um, so for me, this is all every single chapter, as well as the book as a whole, is a um, is an opening up um, rather than a you know this is my say on. <laughs> 
on the topic. <laughs> um, so, so that is very much the case. So, in as much as I want it to be a resource, it's not. It's. I don't want it to be an authoritative resource in the, in the sense that I I am claiming to know everything about the topic because obviously that's not the case. Um, and um, this is a work firmly built on, um, you know, uh, my encounters with a really immense, um, burgeoning, you know, ever increasing uh, kind of scholarship. Um, you know, it, it's this has become. Uh, uh, I mean, in some ways, to me, it's a little bit extraordinary that that um, uh, this sort of uh, kind of book hasn't existed before um, um, in a way because um, the, the, the field is so vast. Uh, and um, I, I would have thought at some point someone would sort of come and do a bit of a reckoning of it, um, which is, I guess, part of what's part of the rationale for the existence of the book as well. Um, it's not just that it's a, a resource for future, you know, scholars of health and medicine in the African context, but also that it's a reckoning of the field um, as it stands now. Um, and and that, that kind of, yeah, um, what has been done and um, what, what, what yet, what remains to be done, I suppose. Mm-hmm. No, and, and I think um, that particular aspect of it, that particular sort of agenda uh, comes across very clearly. And I think it's also very well um, achieved. <laughs> you know, it, it oh, does, <laughs> um, uh, we could, if we start looking, I mean, the book is is, is divided in, in two parts. You know, the first part, you do a sort of uh, a chronological um, examine, examination, analysis of, yeah. of um, you know, these concepts. And, and then in the second part, you give us some, you give us some, some case studies. So uh, I would like us to think a bit uh, right now on the first part, and like you have, you, you divide it in three chapters. Um, and uh, I, if you could just sort of walk us through uh, the main themes, questions, issues that you were trying to grapple with or present to us or introduce to your readers in, in those first three chapters. Um, precisely along the lines that you're mentioning, you know, it's like how this this is a way to try to tell the reader this is what's been done um, and this is what remains to be done. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, like I said, um, uh, when I was talking about these three struggles, uh, so the first chapter uh, is called Early African Healing Systems, Therapeutic Gateways and Disease Exchanges. Um, and it really explores um, sort of uh, kind of that what's actually not very well known is sort of that history of um, pre-19th century or pre-scramble for Africa um, uh, um, understandings of disease, um, healing institutions, um, uh, therapeutic knowledge, um, and uh, yeah, so this, this sort of whole panoply of what um, what health, African health may have looked like on the ground before the era of um, consolidated con- colonial rule. Um, so that's what the first chapter works through. And um, there's 
there's not very much um, historical material, um, in fact. Um, so, so a lot of it is, um, a lot of the first chapter um, is, is about, um, I guess, thinking through those gaps. So what is it that we know? Um, and some of this is, and, and certainly some of it, um, some of what we know is about the African context, um, I've kind of borrowed from uh, other fields. So like, uh, you know, ecological history. So the concept of disease exchanges and um, the epidemiology of the transatlantic slave trade and, you know, and, and also slave historiography, right? So um, I, I kind of make an argument um, to some extent that um, the really good work that has been done in terms of looking at um, uh, you know, healing technologies and ideas of um, health and medicine and slaving communities of the, of the new world um, should be considered not just a feature of um, slave historiography, but should be incorporated into a wider understanding of um, African uh, history of health and medicine as well. Um, so uh, yeah, so, so that chapter really looks at, um, well, you know, what do we know and what do we uh, um, have yet to find out about um, demographics and health implications, about um, perceptions of disease, about um, uh, hierarchies of healers in um, early African societies, um, what, to what extent um, uh, do, uh, do we know about local environmental knowledge, um, about uh, ideological, um, the ideological orientation um, of uh, health and therapeutic practices. So that's really, I guess the first chapter for me is really important in setting the groundwork for the following two, because it kind of, um, you know, puts an emphasis on the sort of wider, you know, you were, you were asking about these um, core concepts and definitions. And so, so what is health? And so if we consider health as not just um, uh, the absence of disease, right? So if we consider health as, um, uh, you know, a mindset, um, is it well-being? Is it, is it, um, is it, uh, a, is it a way of being? Um, is it a set of representations, um, competing representations? Um, is health a set of institutions? Um, and who's and which institutions? And how are those um, in motion? How are those in transformation? Um, and what are the dynamics that are influencing, uh, you know, the change in those um, health institutions or healing institutions? Um, yeah, so, so um, and, and I guess also the, this um, wider pre-colonial past is really interesting because it sets up um, questions about sources. And I think maybe, um, you know, this sort of critical approach to sources. So what sources are, th are there? How can we recover? Is there a way to do sort of a, uh, you know, as I said before, cast a wider net. Is there a is there a way to think differently about the sources at our disposal to read a history of um, health and medicine and and um, illness in 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 that you know kind of reimagination of it this of these sources. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I think those kind of fundamental critical approaches to primary sources uh, to some extent are easier to ask those tough questions of, of um, much older sources than of the more recent ones um, in the more recent past. And so I think it's really important um, uh, that, that first chapter. It also thinks through sort of ideas around African agency um, and um, uh, obviously before the consolidation of colonial rule, there, there, there was a very vigorous, um, vibrant, very complex um, and completely not uniform um, management and understanding of health and healing in the African context. It was incredibly variegated across region, um, across even, you know, within societies in the same region. Um, uh, and I think um, capturing the dynamism um, of these uh, processes is really important to um, in the to set as a as a as as the norm <laughs> that uh -huh. these are that these are dynamic and that they're in transformation um, and so and and so that that's really important to set as the 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 background or the basis um, so that the following two chapters which perhaps would be more familiar with the readership I would I would imagine um, because it is covered more. Um, thoroughly by scholars as well. Um, when you're talking about colonial medicine, tropical medicine, um, or and the experience of health in the colonial context, and then that's chapter two, and then chapter three looks at um, essentially, you know, more contemporary um, health dynamics. Um, uh, yeah, post-colonial um, challenges in terms of um, health infrastructures, uh, new and old diseases that are resurging. Um, or resurgences of old diseases um, and um, kind of bigger questions about uh, transition. So um, it covers questions such as um, the uh, demographic transition um, in the African context, the epidemiological transition. These are sort of big questions about change over time. Um, yeah, so um, I mean, uh, the... The, the three chapters as a whole, they do deal with specific um, diseases, um, but more, um, but um, I suppose the, I suppose the real focus on specific diseases happens in the second second part. The first part is very much about um, yeah. Uh, larger questions of um, dynamics, institutions, um, healing communities, um, responses to uh, particular, uh, responses to sort of larger health interventions, um, you know, such as, you know, tropical medical, tropical medicine and, and um, the, the, the sort of formation of tropical me medicine as a as a not just a set of ideas, but as a sort of you know institutional complex and a political force. Let's let's just be clear in the African context um, mm -hmm. in the colonial in the colonial period. Um, so it looks at those institutions and then tries to think through you know what has changed and what remains um, I suppose persistent. Um, um, yeah. So for example, one of the things I think about in the in, in the kind of chapter three, which is the sort of more contemporary post-colonial um, chapter is to 
think through those questions that that uh, you know are very much present in um, you know media commentary as well as scholarly commentary as well as in African communities themselves. So, sort of what are the legacies of colonial health policies? And what so what is the long shadow? And what are the things that have been learned from that experience? And what are the things that have not? You know, and so certainly if we think about you know global health approaches and global health paradigms, there are some aspects of that that you know, if if one looks at the, you know, uh, sort of colonial period and the colonial past, um, that, um, you know, there are aspects of um, disease intervention programs, you know, sort of vertical, you know, top-down initiatives that have little attention to African infrastructures, uh, you know, African patient experiences, African, um, you know, uh, voices, African healing traditions, um, so, so the, those sorts of uh, um, uh, big questions are, are things I consider in this in this kind of part one of the book. What are these sort of long, long durée questions of um, transformation and um, sort of uh, uh, sort of resilience and persistence? Um, yeah. No, great. Uh, and. So when, when you move from, you, you finish this section, uh, and like I said, you, you do a, one, one thing that I wanted to comment about um, the way you explained uh, your, um, you know, your choices in, in this part is that I, I realized that by you having that first chapter, uh, it kind of changed somehow uh, the, the tone and the the amount of explanation and even the set of questions that you needed to address in chapter two and chapter three. Mm. And now hearing you explain how you were thinking about that chapter as kind of like uh, setting the stage, uh, you know, in some ways it sort of changed the narrative a little bit of what one would traditionally read in in other histories of of tropical medicine, for instance. Uh, which I mean, I mean, I, I teach African history, so I mean, I kind of have read some of that, mm. uh, and I found that in some ways uh, the setup, or, or like you said, the the the, the presence or the centrality uh, of 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 that particular period or, or set of interventions that take place during the colonial period is not that it was diminished, but it was set in a, in a different context uh, by you having already given us uh, all these reflections about what 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 would have existed you know by extending that context in other words yes uh, and, and I think that uh, that was a very particular uh, that that I, I remember thinking that I was reading something slightly different <laughs> than what I yep. read in other places <laughs> Uh, and I thought that uh, now hearing you explain that, I feel like, oh, okay, that's that's why I had that that yes. that that oh, experience. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad that you you had that experience. It, I, it was to some extent purposeful. Um, yes, so I'm 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 really uh, yeah happy <laughs> that, <laughs> Good. that it came across. And and for, I mean, I think that you know, so I think that the um, historians of colonial medicine in Africa. Um, have done, you know, there, there are some extraordinary histories there. And, and obviously, the, you know, and that is part of part of what I discuss in the chapter two is that to some extent, um, of course, 
those histories are really interesting and important because the sources are so they're so voluminous they're they're so pregnant with meaning they're so interesting you know they 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 kind of yield um yeah uh, yeah a multiplicity of um really interesting ideas and um dynamics um but i th i think that maybe you know maybe we maybe there's a bit of seduction uh, um um that happens because those sources are so, you know, they are they are there, they are present, they are um, pregnant with meaning, they are um, really interesting. Um, but perhaps they overprivilege, you know, as you as you say, the narrative, you know, because because it makes it, it's, and I, I don't think this is. You know, I, 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 this is just how the field looks. Is that there are certain, um, yeah, there are certain areas of study, periods of study, um, you know, disease types that have uh, an allure, um, and I think um, one of the the consequences of that fixation, I suppose, um, is that it it does tend to, you know, just not distort, but just tends to, you know, privilege the narrative in certain directions. I think so. So, so um, yeah. I mean, we all. I, I'm. I'm. I, I very much. We all need. We all have work to do. We all are scholars, and we're all. We all gravitate to certain sources. Um, so, where there are sources, there will be histories. Um, uh, so I understand, you know, to some extent, the the, way, the ways in which some of this scholarship has developed, and it is extremely, really good scholarship, really solid and interesting, and fascinating scholarship. But it, but it, but it can um, provide, a, 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 yeah, a, only a certain sort of coverage, I think. Um, yeah. So if that, if that. Um, comes across in, in, you know, in some way, I'm really glad. Thanks. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, and talking about choices and what I'm sure were um, interesting choices on your part, uh, when you move to the second uh, part yes. of the book, uh, yes. you choose, you have four case studies, um, HIV, mental illness, uh, tropical diseases, in this case, malaria and sleeping sickness, and then occupational disease. Um, can you walk us through a little bit of, uh, first of all, how you made these choices? I'm sure some things probably were, had to be left out and, you know, how do you Absolutely. make those decisions? Uh, and then just tell us a little bit of if there's anything you would like to tell us about each and every one of those chapters. What did you learn? What did you wanted us to learn, etc. Thanks so much. Yes. Um, yeah. The, so uh, I guess there's a couple things. Well, there's a, quite a few things I, I would like to say. The first thing is I, I did insist on a two part structure for this book because um, uh, uh, this is probably the fourth struggle I had with my <laughs> publisher. And, um, uh, uh, so one could have made two different books out of this book. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I understand that. So one could have expanded the sort of roughly chronological frame of, of my part one into a full standalone book of its own. Um, conversely, um, as uh, yeah, some feedback I received from, you know, some reviewers also suggested I could have made the book entirely a case study book filled with many 
case studies. And in fact, the so 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 uh, you know so for example the. Um, some of the topics I covered in my um, the teaching module for the you know this class that I teach for that I used to teach for uh, my Goldsmith students, um, you know we covered famine and nutrition and the environment. We covered um, genocide and violence. Um, we covered what else did we cover? Um, uh, you know, in fact, we covered um, demographics and the fertility transition as its standalone. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, um, the, the, what became the STDs, uh, what became the HIV illness chapter here um, was a larger chapter about sort of um, cultures of sexual cultures of disease and gender. Um, uh, yeah, so there could have been, um, you know, maternal health and reproduction could have been its own maternal and child health and reproduction mm -hmm. could have been its own standalone chapter for, for sure. So, so one can, um, uh, 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 the diaspora. So like, if we think more closely, I mean, I, so I start with thinking about, um, uh, um, the transatlantic slave trade and slaving communities and the healing traditions of those slaving communities, but one could expand outwards and think more clearly or, or kind of do a connected history of, um, global African, um, therapeutic approaches and communities, you know, so that so that could have been, you know, and, and that that could wrap in, say, um, you know, the more recent, um, you know, transnational migration of African doctors and nurses, for example, mm -hmm. um, across the continent, but also globally. Uh, anyway, so 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 those are p potential chapters for the so if I if I chose a thematic approach, like this case study thematic approach, that could have been its own book as well. Um, so uh, I just felt um, partly because this is how I taught the module. It, it was a combination of um, attentiveness to chronology with kind of um, um, sort of interruptions of case study. And then in some, and to some extent, the case study was um, part, was exemplifying a particular, you know, chronological period. So we looked you know, so we looked at um, malaria as, you know, um, as exemplary of sort of um, global health approaches um, in the post-colonial period and disease eradication campaigns, et cetera. So, so, um, so, so part of my insistence on keeping this kind of two-part approach to the book was that, um, I, yeah, it worked. Um, so, because I, I was interested in um, imparting uh, to my students, but, you know, and then in this book to the general, to, a, um, you know, the readership, um, I, I am really interested in, in both, in um, kind of instilling a sense of uh, chronology and what are the interpretive possibilities of this subject if one gives it a chronological time frame. And then the other part, which is a part two, um, which is also really important to me and, and which is um, very emblematic of the field, I would say to some extent. So, you know, so, so the way that, at least the, you know, the way that um, classic uh, history of medicine um, studies, you know, um, in the African context have been built, have been built around, you know, case studies of particular disease types or particular health problems, you know, so, um, so, so I wanted to honor to some extent with the part two, um, my 
indebtedness to those earlier studies, which were very much, you know, really focused um, uh, empirically sound or empirically based micro studies of particular diseases in very specific um, regional context and uh, and time periods. Um, so, so the part two was important to me um, as well because I. Uh, uh, and and having the two together, um, because I think that the case study frame um, plus the chronological uh, um, backbone, I suppose, that's provided by part one, um, I just felt that the two were really important um, in dialogue with each other. Um, so yeah, so that that's how kind of part two came to be, and I insisted on it. But I, but I think that um, what I try to do with the, within each of the part two chapters is to also turn that um, paradigm on its head, right? So like if the classic model is um, you know looking at say I don't know sleeping sickness in a particular region um, of uh, yeah, Tanganyika in, in the colonial period, you know, so if that's a, I'm just, this is just a completely made up example. Um, but if that's a classic model of uh, um, a history of medicine study, um, how, how can we go beyond that model? And what can, and if we, and can we explode that model somehow? Can we stretch the boundaries either across time or across space? Um, and in some contexts, like with the, the malaria um, and sleeping sickness chapter, what's pretty extraordinary to me is that these two diseases, um, which you know, at, what at one point in the colonial mind were very much interlinked, <laughs> or the colonial uh -huh. medical mind were very much interlinked. But in the historiography, it's ve they're very separate. You know, so there are reams of studies about malaria and equally voluminous studies about sleeping sickness, but particularly in the colonial context. And um, so, why are these two um, diseases not? put in the frame of each other. So, so yeah, so, so what I try to do with each chapter is to try to um, expand uh, on the case study approach in some way. So like, for example, the, um, uh, the mental illness chapter, um, uh, you know, for, for which there is a huge amount written um, in terms of um, uh, particularly uh, history of medicine. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the, the historiography of mental illness um, um, and particularly the historiography of colonial psychiatry and the operations of you know, colonial psychiatry in the African context, there's a huge amount. There's a huge cluster of really fantastic work. Um, but I, I found that those are pretty disaggregated from post-colonial um, you know so kind of transcultural psychiatry studies uh, or histories of you know transcultural psychiatry in Africa and also completely disaggregated from um, uh, sort of earlier understandings of um, uh, mental illness or mental distress um, in African societies um, so th th they were all sort of separate. So, so I, I guess the question I had in my mind um, with um, the mental illness chapter, uh, which is chapter five, 
was what happens if we take all these disparate streams of scholarship and we put them together and think through, you know, again, um, if we begin with the, you know, wider pre-colonial past and um, try to uh, see what we can discern about um, African understandings of mental states of stress, anxiety, um, and how 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 are they spoken about, and how are they understood? Um, what happens to this larger history, and 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 what happens to this colonial, this voluminous colonial historiography, historiography that's that's very pregnant and very you know, those sources are very very uh, problematic. Um, um, so what, what happens um, if we begin um, with this the with a different um, with this sort of wider understanding wider scope um, so that's what partly what I do with the with the chapter five um, with chapter four uh, which is looking at um, not just HIV AIDS, I guess, but how do we understand HIV AIDS historically? I, I mean, I suppose that one is um, partly to do with my own research as well, um, uh, because I, I have I have been looking at you know uh, obviously because it's a, a, my current research is on you know, death and memory in modern South Africa. And it's very difficult not to talk about death and not talk about, without talking about AIDS mortality and the way in which, um, and the demographic shock of HIV AIDS, but also the way in which AIDS is um, changing kind of the meaning and management of death in Africa. Anyway, so um, so that chapter, but but sort of what, I, what I've come to understand in, um, in my research on, HIV AIDS in South Africa is that um, people tend to think about AIDS in the present tense as a, you know, as a, as a, as a very, um, and, and they don't think about HIV AIDS historically. And, 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 and I think scholars were also complicit in this. And so, so that chapter tries to ask, well, how can we insert HIV AIDS in a longer history um, or how do we think about it historically? Or how can AIDS become a historical subject in and of itself? Um, so, and what happens when you ask, when you kind of interrogate HIV AIDS historically? So that chapter is a sort of, <laughs> um, uh, you know, what happened in my own mind about um, what was the end result of all that interrogation really? Um, uh, and, you know, uh, one of the things, it, you know, that was the end result of that particular um, challenge was that uh, um, obviously that, you know, in terms of the much longer history of sexually transmitted diseases um, in African communities and the history of interventions um, around uh, uh, STDs, um, that there, there are particular, um, uh, yeah, um, continuities um, troubling continuities, um, but also particular, uh, you know, um, uh, continuities in terms of frameworks, um, um, constructions, discursive constructions, I suppose, in these health interventions as well. So that's that's kind of um, what the the chapter four is about. Um, I've spoken about chapter five. Uh, yeah, I've spoken about chapter six as well, which is the one on tropical diseases. So that that really is um, asking us, 
Okay, so if we look at the history of um, malaria um, and the history of sleeping sickness, um, and we try to look at these two kind of very classic, you know, uh, tropical diseases, um, you know, again, over the long durée, um, and they had, to, to some extent, these two, two diseases had coinciding um, uh, um, challenges, but then so that they had really interesting moments of convergence and divergence, I, I would say. Um, and, and what do those moments of convergence and divergence say about, um, yeah, the wider uh, historiography of, of tropical medicine itself and of tropical disease um, uh, yeah, in, in Africa. Um, and, and I think that, you know, these kind of emblematic uh, tropical diseases do reveal a lot um, about local interventions, about global interventions, about, um, you know, African states, about, uh, you know, Paris states and, you know, um, et cetera. So, so that's really what, the, um, what chapter uh, six um, delves into is um, yeah using the history of these two intertwined diseases as a um, lens to think through um, uh, um, yeah bigger bigger issues of um, local uh, national and global um, health and health interventions and the final chapter is a little bit different it's um, the only chapter that sort of focuses on one country, so that's South Africa. It's looking at occupational disease, um, compensable uh, lung disease um, in South Africa. So that um, I look at uh, what silicosis, tuberculosis, um, asbestosis um, primarily in, in that third, uh, sorry, that final chapter. Um, and that one, um, I suppose partly is a nod to, you know, being a South African <laughs> social and cultural historian. That, so that's part of it. Um, uh, though I, I do think that, uh, yeah, so that's part of it. But the, the other part really is, um, I, I think occupational disease is, is, is absolutely hidden, hidden from history. Mm -hmm. um, if you, if you look at, if you look at um, the, uh, you know, the sort of scale of, of, um, studies done on so many other kinds of disease types, um, occupational disease, um, you know, it really um, is not given the attention it deserves, um, both in terms of the scope, you know, sort of the numbers, the numerical scope of occupational disease, um, but, in, you know, in terms of its impact um, on communities, uh, on individuals, on families, um, uh, yeah, and, and it's a it's a it's a very um, sort of sobering history. I found very little to sort of um, be cheer cheerful about when writing that particular chapter, but it's a really important one, um, and and certainly not the only kind of um, focused case study of occupational disease that could be done in the African context. Um, there are many other you know examples um, that that. That could have been done, and um, but, but I think that occupational disease, as well as its, um, um, is, is important not just within its own right. It's it's also part of a wider history of, uh, you know, capitalist, um, you know, um, exploitation, 
wider history of you know colonial and then capitalist um, um, exploitation of African laborers and African bodies. Um, that's really important uh, to be told. Um, yeah, and and also I think because occupational disease, some some forms of um, of these occupational diseases obviously have uh, comorbid comorbidities or co-infections or co um, are um, um, uh, co-infections with other kinds of diseases and health challenges. So so occupational disease I think is is one of those um, hidden challenges uh, for um, uh, African. Um, States um, to to yeah confront um, now uh, yeah so that that's kind of my rationale I I think I could have picked others other challenges um, I just felt like these four if I had to limit it they 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 were important to me in different ways but they were also I guess if if I go back to what I was saying before is if I want this to be an opening up uh, or sort of like a, you know, you know, a stepping stone, um, which four examples could I provide that would um, uh, help others see the potential um, of what's possible if we, if we do sort of reconfigure the boundaries of each of these these um, studies or each of these subjects in some way. So they, they were kind of also mental exercises for me too. So, so you know, and again, you know, just thinking about the final chapter as well. So what happens when we put, um, you know, silicosis, tuberculosis and asbestosis together, you know, so what, what are the ways, um, what kind of lessons can we learn um, by thinking across these um, experiences of disease and uh, disease types? Um, yeah, so so th those were just um, to some extent, you know, my uh, my approach was, was just this is the beginning, not the end, mm -hmm. um, uh, and 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 for me, those four were um, good beginnings. Um, yeah, to Absolutely. to yeah. Th this last chapter, I have to say, it was really interesting to finish with that because also what came to my mind. Um, when I finished reading it was also in, in the way in which it also sort of challenges that um, traditional narrative of uh, sort of disease in Africa as something that is endemic to Africa, that it's just something that it's natural given its environment, given its mm. um, um, you know, th th there tends to be, I mean, it, it's very sort of uh, sort of inherent in the in, in even in the concept of tropical medicine, you know, like mm. we this 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 these diseases happen in Africa. They're part of their natural environment, or this image of Africa as, as a continent of uh, of uh, its most constant challenge is is disease environment. Mm. And uh, in this last chapter, you're just talking about the types of diseases that are not there they were not naturally there they're not something mm. that is natural to at the environment but something mm. very much a result of its uh, as of its most most more recent um sort of labor history etc so mm. it, even in that sense i felt that that chapter very successfully sort of uh, flipped that narrative and, and made us think about the disease as not something that needs to be equated to the african environment absolutely oh yeah thanks thanks very much i actually haven't I hadn't thought of it that way. So. 
I'm I'm really glad because that gives me a different um sort of way of thinking about that particular chapter because it did it did it did feel a little bit um I mean not an, I don't mean like an outlier because I understood why I included it but it it was very it was you know it was very focused very in terms of sort of at least the the geographical boundaries um but you're right that um that it it does provide a a counter to some of the other sort of examples that you know that are part of this book, and it is a, it is. I, I mean, I think the history of um, the, the history. I, I, I try to deal with it, you know, in parts throughout the book. Is I, I think that the history of representation of of disease in Africa and the representation of Africans as diseased is a is an extremely important and obviously hugely problematic um, theme that's running through uh, at least the history of you know Western interventions um, or global health interventions um, in the African context and it it is something I think that has a really long shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and a really difficult one, and and it does sit uneasily against this last chapter, as you say, which which so clearly shows that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, actually, you know, this is a it, it's a very different um, history uh, um, of uh, yeah the introduction of diseases into the African context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, this has been. Very, very, very interesting. And I'm afraid I probably have taken way too much of your time. Uh, You have already told us a little bit about your current projects, but would you care to elaborate a little bit on what is it that you're working on these days? Oh, thanks so much, Esperanza. Um, uh, Yeah, so as I said, I'm trying to finish up a book which uh, is really the culmination of many, many years of research. Uh, It's called Death and Memory in Modern South Africa. Um, it's looking at the changing meaning and management of death um, in South Africa. Uh, yeah, in, uh, over the transitional um, period to the post-apartheid period, so over roughly a two, three decade long period. Um, I'm also working um, on starting a new project, which is a bit of a sort of spin-off to some extent of the, the death um, research. Uh, I'm interested in um, uh, road accidents and road fatalities and um, yeah, road death. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but also the um, I'm also interested in kind of road safety uh, and problematizing um, kind of approaches to like global health approaches to road safety by looking at the ways in which South Africans and South African, you know, communities themselves um, think about road danger, think about and practice automobility, think about, you know, car culture and um, mobility, largely speaking, uh, more broadly speaking. Um, yeah, so that, that's a kind of project in gestation. Um, and I would like to sort of think through this yeah, the, the the topic of road safety and road danger, not just in the South African context, but to um, kind of have it be a, a, a wider project that looks more um, at the sort of sub-Saharan African context um, as a whole. So, yeah, trying to get a kind of collaboration um, on that. 
you know, across um, different disciplines and um, yeah, roping in hopefully some epidemiologists as well as artists and um, uh, writers uh, as well as scholars and anthropologists and historians, etc. So geographers. Um, uh, yeah, so that's the kind of um, more wide ranging project that I have in mind for the future. Uh, that I've started a little bit of work on, but but it, it's it's certainly um, something I, I'll be busy with in years to come. Well, both of those sound um, super interesting, and oh. I do look forward to having you back uh, oh. <laughs> once, once they, they come out in book great. format. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I'm sure I'm I'm sure they'll be great. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for talking to me today. I, I know it's been a long way to getting here for both of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and um, take a lot of good care of yourself. And I, I look forward to having you back sometime soon. Thank you so much, Esperanza. I really enjoyed, uh, yeah, just engaging with you about the book. And thank you so much for reading it. And, you know, uh, just coming with some really great questions and this conversation has been really helpful to me as well. Thank you.